Shelby, thank you, Brother Tyler, and Jenny, and choir, and thank you for uh, joining in today. I, uh, I love pastoring a singing church, and uh, let me just tell you, not all churches are like that. Not all churches you go to um, are like that. Sometimes it's just a big uh, one-man concert, and you just, you're supposed to sit there and enjoy it. Um, and I like the way we do things around here, and uh, I believe God's honored by it all. I want you to be finding 1 Samuel chapter 18 in the Old Testament. Um, we're going to be there this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 18. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read a couple of verses uh, from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So you find 1 Samuel 18, I'll read from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and then I'll join you in 1 Samuel chapter 18. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. For the Lord's help, I want to preach to you this morning on the blessings of biblical friendship. And let me just say this at the outset this morning, we cannot flourish spiritually in the long term without biblical friendships. It just will not happen. Have you ever noticed that great men and or women in the Bible seem to come in twos? For example, Moses had Aaron and later had his father-in-law Jethro. Aaron had a man by the name of Hur. Joshua and Caleb come together. They encouraged uh, each other in the Lord at a, a time when everybody else was being so incredibly negative. Then we read of Ruth and Naomi, and we read of Esther and her uncle Mordecai. Of course, there's Elijah and Elisha. When they were under attack, they lifted each other up. Going into the New Testament, Paul had Barnabas, and as we've been seeing recently in our study of the book of Acts uh, on Sunday nights, later he had Silas and Timothy and Luke. Paul had, or excuse me, Peter had John, and John had Peter. And here's what, here's what we need to take away from this observation. The Christian life is not a solo act. It's about teamwork. It's about you helping me and me helping you and together us learning what it is to live the Christian life in victory. This message is about tapping into the incredible resource that God has given us in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to talk about how to be that biblical friend 
that comes alongside those that we love when they want to quit or when they want to take a step or two from where they need to be. And we're going to talk about how we need to let them know in love that we're going to do everything that we can not to let that happen. <clears throat> Excuse my voice today. I took my boys to the OU game yesterday, and we had ourselves the time, especially when West Virginia started acting like a bunch of punks. Um, we kind of gave them some encouragement. Remember when Jesus sent the disciples out in the New Testament? Remember that? How did he send them out? Two by two. Why? Because two are better than one. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. So Jesus understood the power and the blessing of biblical friendships. Now, if you haven't caught on yet, I keep using a, a qualifying uh, word in front of the word friendships, and that is the, the qualifier biblical, because not all friendships are biblical. As a matter of fact, some are quite unbiblical. And what we need in our lives are friends who are going to improve our life for God and not impede it. We need folks around us who are going to help us on our journey, not hinder us on our journey. And what I want to do in this message this morning is share two key ingredients of biblical friendship. That way, you can evaluate, and I can evaluate, whether or not, number one, we are that kind of friend, and number two, whether we have the right kind of people around us who are going to help us. One of the most powerful illustrations, I think, of biblical friendship has to do with the relationship of David and Jonathan. David was the second king of Israel. Saul was the first. Saul was Jonathan's father. Saul was the first king of Israel. David was the second king of Israel. And if ever, listen, if ever there was a friendship with the cards stacked against it, it was the friendship of David and Jonathan. Jonathan came from a textbook dysfunctional family. His father, King Saul, was an absolute tyrant whose actions at times literally bordered on insanity if they weren't in fact insane. At one point, Saul pretty much had adopted David into his family. But David ended up running for his life because Saul had gone crazy with jealousy and with envy and was, was literally, literally trying to kill him. Let me show you 1 Samuel, excuse me, chapter 18 and verse 10. 
And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand, um, that is, David played the harp. There's another uh, occasion before this that the same evil spirit had invaded the life of Saul, and, and so somebody called for David, and David played his harp, uh, which to me, this is a great illustration of the power of music, especially godly music and spirit-led music. The playing of David on the harp, the Bible says, calmed the spirit of Saul. And so here's this spirit again. And so David comes in again, and David plays on his harp, just like he had done at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Verse 11, and Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. One thing that made Jonathan and David's relationship so unique was that both of them had kingship in their future. Jonathan, being the son of King Saul, was, was on, on, on track for the throne because of who his father was. I mean, that was just the natural uh, progression in that day, is that the son of the king one day would assume the throne of the king. And so everybody just assumed that was going to be the case, that one day Jonathan would ascend the throne of his father Saul. Jonathan knew how the game was played. He knew how everything was supposed to shake out and come together. But there came a time when David was anointed by Samuel at God's direction for the express purpose of one day leapfrogging, if you will, Jonathan and becoming the successor to the throne of King Saul. And so you would think at at that point, that that in itself would have been enough to pit Jonathan against David. You tracking with me? But it didn't happen. So you had Jonathan, who by all rights and by culture and by uh, 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 history was in line to assume the throne of his father Saul. But yet God comes along and he anoints David to be king instead of Jonathan. And again, at that moment, you would think that there would be friction there. You would think that there would be an issue there. How in the world could these men possibly have a friendship? But they did. And out of the pain that David and Jonathan both both experienced, we learned a couple things this morning. Number one, we learned that a biblical friend holds you up when you stumble. Sometimes life can bring so much pressure to bear upon us that we stumble and we fall under its weight. I'm sure that there were many long nights during the the days that David was, was running for his life, hiding from King Saul. 
And I'm sure that there were moments, as a matter of fact, I know there were moments, just read the Psalms. Many of the Psalms were written during that period of time in David's life when he was running and hiding, trying to stay alive. And there were times when, when David uh, uh, wanted to quit. There were times when David wanted to get uh, uh, give up. And I'm sure, no doubt, there were times that David just wanted to defend himself and, and wanted to strike back. Listen, I've never gone through anything like what David went through. But I'm convinced this morning that much of his success had to do with the strength that he received from his friendship with Jonathan. If you have your Bible open, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23. <clears throat> Let me read a couple of verses here. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, they'll be on the screen. But <clears throat> look at verse 16, 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 16 and Jonathan Saul's son arose and went to David into the wood now here's the scene David is hiding from from Saul in fear of his life Jonathan finds out where David is out in the woods and Jonathan goes to him and the Bible says that he strengthened that is Jonathan strengthened David's hand in the Lord. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. Look at verse 18. We'll come back to it later. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. And David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Let's learn some things here real quick about how biblical friendships can hold us up. Number one, biblical friends can hold us up by their presence. Again, it says that Jonathan, Saul's son, he rose and he went to where David was. Now believe me, church, Jonathan had a lot of reasons for not going to where David was. He had everything to lose and nothing to gain personally from his actions. Siding with David almost cost Jonathan his life. Let's go back a few chapters to chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20. Let me show you this. Being the friend of David, this is how insanely jealous Saul was of David. It almost cost his own son his life because he dared to befriend David. Look at verse 30 of chapter 20. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. Remember, this is his son. And he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and under the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom." Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, 
for he shall surely die. So here's what Saul says, son, don't you understand that as long as David is alive, you'll never be the king? You'll never be established on the throne. Your kingdom will never be established. Go find this guy. This guy needs to die. And Jonathan answered, Wherefore shall he be slain? Dad, why does he need to die? What has he done? Verse 33, and look at this. And Saul cast a javelin at him, at his own son. He threw a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. I mean, think about it. Had Jonathan let his father kill David, the throne of Israel would have been his. All of the kingdom would have been his. But because of Jonathan's friendship with David, he would have nothing of it. He knew that David was alone. He knew that David was afraid. And he went to where he was to encourage him in the Lord. Oh, listen this morning. Let that phrase, to encourage him in the Lord, let that sink in for a minute. This was David that we're talking about. You remember David, the giant killer? The man whom God used to write most of the Psalms? David, the the man that the Bible says was after God's own heart? I mean, David was a a bigger-than-life individual. Yet here he is in need of encouragement. You know what that tells me this morning? That if David found himself in the need of encouragement, then there's not a person in this room this morning, including myself, that doesn't struggle every now and then, that doesn't need some help. Can I share with you something that I've discovered through the years? Being a friend isn't always about having something to say. Because sometimes there's just not anything to say. And if words are going to be spoken, then they ought to be, ought to be words of prayer as we lift up our friend to the Lord. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Do you have somebody who will come alongside you and insist that you take your struggle before the Lord in prayer and then lead in doing it? I'm not asking if you have someone who could do that. Do you have someone who does that? Biblical friendships or biblical friends hold us up sometimes just by their presence in our life. They don't have to say anything. They're just with us, and, and boom, it lifts us. 
But then sometimes biblical friends can hold us up by their protection. In chapter 23 again in verse 17, here's what Jonathan said to David when he went to him in the wood, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also my Saul, my father, knoweth. Listen, this is good stuff. Jonathan says to David, don't worry. Listen, buddy, I got your back. Number one, my dad will never find you. And number two, you will be king. And I'm good with that. And listen, David, it's not going to affect our friendship. It's not going to affect our relationship in the least. You talk about loyalty. When you stumble along the way, you don't need someone who's going to stand over you and look down on you and condemn you and then step on you to get where they are want to go you need someone who's going to be willing to give you a hand up let me share this with you this morning I'm not sure where it originated but it's good what is your response when your friend is criticized now there may be truth in the criticism but it is nearly always one-sided and unfair do you spring to his defense with a concern that others focus on his weaknesses and not his strengths it's not enough to later say hey so-and-so said this about you but I don't believe him the real question is did you challenge it Did you shift the focus to your friend's strengths? That's loyalty. That's protection. And I'm telling you this morning, you need those kinds of friends in your life. Yeah, I understand that, that, that maybe he did that, or maybe he said that, or maybe he's like that. But let me, let me tell you some other things about him that you may not know. I know because I'm close to him, and you don't know, so let me tell you about some things that I know that are good about them. That's the kind of friend that we need in our life. And that's the kind of friend that Jonathan was to David. David went, or, or Jonathan went to his father. His father said, son, don't you understand that as long as this man's living, you'll never be king, you'll never be ruler over this kingdom. And Jonathan immediately sprang into defense of his, of his friend David and said, what has he done? And he just run to his dad, run to David and say, hey, this is what my dad said. No, he stood up in his father's face and he asked him this question, what has he done? Why should he die? And I'm telling you, sometimes biblical friends can lift us up by their presence. Other times they can lift us up by their protection. And then let me give you this. Biblical friends can hold us up by their promise. I told you we'd come back to verse 18 in chapter 23. The Bible says that David and Jonathan made a covenant. They made a commitment one another here's how that plays out today 
one man goes to another man or one woman goes to another woman or one teenager goes to another teenager and they admit this, I can't be what God wants me to be without you in my life. And the other person responds, you know what? I can't be what God wants me to be without you in my life. So I tell you what, how about we do this thing together? Again, verse 18 says that David and Jonathan made a covenant. I think I've shared this with you before, but I want to do it again this morning. Here's a friendship covenant that you may want to consider making with a friend or two in your life. I sent this this week to a couple of, uh, of men, a couple of fellow pastors. One's no longer pastoring, one is still pastoring. In a very, very, very difficult time in, in, in my life, in the life of my wife, uh, these men were there for us. And these, these were... These were my go-to guys during a very turbulent two years uh, in, in my life as a father. And these men were there for me every single time. And so I sent this to them this week. Here it is, brother. I want you to know that I'm committed to you. You will never knowingly suffer at my hands. I will never say or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I will always, in every circumstance, seek to help you and support you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do it. Anything that I have that you need, I'll share it with you. And if I have to, I'll give it to you. No matter what I find out about you and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. There is nothing you can do about it. And you don't have to respond. I love you, and that's what it means. I'll post that on our church's Facebook page. If you want to copy and paste it and to send it to somebody, I would encourage you to do that. If you have somebody in your life like that, let them know it. I think the key word in all of this is in the final sentence, love. Solomon said this in Proverbs 17 and verse 17, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother these two brothers that I referenced a moment ago, no doubt were, were born for that adversity in my life. And I will be forever indebted to them for their love and their support and their non-condemning friendship. It meant the world to me. Do you have a friend who loves you enough to keep you going when you get discouraged and want to quit. I pray that you do. And if you don't, I, I pray that God will bring you someone. But in the meantime, here's something that you can do on your own to help that process. Be that kind of friend to someone else. 
Pick somebody and be that kind of friend to them. Here's the second part of biblical friendship. A biblical friend can hold us down when we stray. They can pick us up when we stumble. But they can also hold us down when we stray. We don't often think of friendship in this way, but we should because it's real. A biblical friend will restrain you at times. He will rebuke you if necessary. The reason we stumble is because the pressures of life get too much for us to bear. But when we stray, it's because of our own bad choices. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, we'll not turn there this morning. Those two chapters describe the darkest days of David's life. When he strayed from the Lord and ended up committing adultery with Bathsheba and then being complicit in the murder of her husband. Maybe you've never read that story from the perspective of friendships. But if you do, you have to ask this question, where were David's friends? Jonathan was gone. He'd been killed in battle. But where were the men who should have stepped up and said, what are you doing, David? What are you thinking? Why are you destroying your life? And if you have somebody like that in your life, you need to thank God for that. I'm guessing those who were closest to David were were standing off at a distance agreeing that someone ought to confront him, but at the same time not wanting to be the one to do it. How tragic that David did not have someone in his life who could have seen his decline and got to him before he crashed and burned. Instead, the Lord sent a man by the name of Nathan. Nathan was a prophet who spoke the truth and confronted David about his sin. You know the story, you know that Nathan went on to pronounce God's judgment on David, including the death of the child that would be born of adultery. And what a tragic story, but I wonder if maybe the story wouldn't have been different had somebody been in David's life who would have walked up to him and said to him, David, listen, I love you and I care about you and I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. David, stop and think about what you're doing. Look at the decisions you're making. Look at where this is going to lead. The point in drawing your attention to the story is to get you to see what a real friend does. They tell you the truth, even when the truth hurts. Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6 say this, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses 
of an enemy are deceitful. Do you think Nathan was excited about confronting the king? I don't. Holding a friend down and, and speaking truth to them may mean, listen, it may mean risking the, 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 the entire relationship. But wouldn't it be worth it if it helped your friend get back on track? Oh, but Pastor, I know if I, if I went to them and I said something uh, to them right now, they, they would just go off on me and they probably would never talk to me again. Yeah, maybe not. But what kind of friend are we if we just let them continue down the path that they're going? And we know that it's going to lead to nothing good. We know that it's going to lead to destruction. We know that it's going to lead uh, to their hurt eventually. What kind of friend are we if we just let them continue to go down that path without saying anything? Here's another verse from the book of Proverbs. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. I'm going to let a commentator from many 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 years ago give us some insight into that verse he said this for the moment the flatterer may please the object of his praise but one who is faithful in reproving will be more valued when there has been time for reflection. Now let me stop there. Look at that verse again. He that rebuketh a man afterwards, later on down the line, shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Mr. Ironside said, one who is faithful in reproving will be more valued when there has been time for reflection, that person that we, we rebuke, that friend whose life we speak into and it hurts, at, at, at the outset he says, yeah, they're going to be ticked off, they're going to be really aggravated, they're going to be really mad at us, but after they've had time to think and reflect, we're going to be far more valued. It is no kindness, he said, done a person when his faults are glossed over. And he is made to feel comfortable in his wrongdoing. He who goes to a wrongdoer in the fear of the Lord, meekly seeking to exercise him as to his unholy ways, may arouse anger and indignation at the first. But he has time and conscience on his side. The result will be that he will find more favor than the other. Does that make sense? Again, if we're in a, a relationship with someone that we can speak truth into their life, 
and point out the error of their way? Absolutely. They may get in our face and let us know that they don't like it and they don't appreciate it and they really don't need you in their life anymore. Who knows what the reaction might be? But according to the Word of God, in the end, they're more likely to appreciate what you said to them. Rather than this person over here that's just letting them go, they're just, I mean, they're just continuing this relationship, but all along they know that this person's ruining their life. They know that this person is, is, is headed down a, a path that's not going to lead to anywhere good. But we don't say anything. We just, we just keep everything going like it is. And we're just flattering them, making them feel good in the life that they're living. That's not a biblical friend. So let me ask you this morning. What kind of friend are you? Are you one that holds others up when they stumble? Are you one who holds them down when they stray? I trust that you're not only that kind of friend to others, but I really do hope that you have those kinds of people in your life who are willing to return the favor. Listen, we need these kinds of people in our life. If we're going to be strong and consistent in our walk with the Lord. The Bible talks about the greatest friend of all. We sung about him a moment ago. His name is Jesus. Sticks closer than a brother. Yesterday I got to spend the whole day with my brother. I love my brother. I'm glad we get to serve the Lord together. Glad we get to enjoy life together. But you know what? Jesus is a closer friend to me than he is. And if you're here this morning and you've never entered into the most important friendship that there is, then I trust that today would be that day for you, like Tuesday was the day for our brother. That today would be your day. And you enter into the greatest friendship that you'll ever have. And that is the friendship and relationship of salvation with, with God through Jesus Christ, his son. Every head bowed and every